Soul Wealth, wealthy conversations that nurture the soul. Get ready for an enlightening conversation that will nurture your soul and help you live your best life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Vicki Johnson. Welcome to the Soul Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, Dr. Vicki Johnson, here on 96.3 HD4NDCRadio.gov. Here on the Soul Wealth Radio Show, we have wealthy conversations that nurture the soul and These conversations have been incredibly inspiring, insightful, informative, and very illuminating, excuse me, in many areas of our lives. My guests are all amazing souls. And today I am super excited and grateful to speak to a very trusted voice in my life. He is my pastor, and I am so honored to have him on the Soul Wealth Radio Show with us today. He is a fifth generation minister who continuously strives to maintain a legacy of servitude by working to move the 21st century church into a place of maturity. He is one of this generation's prophetic voices. He believes that relationships and relationships are so important. After working nearly 15 years in corporate America, he began to assist his parents, Archbishop Ralph and Elder Deborah Dennis, by serving as the executive pastor of Kingdom Worship Center in Towson, Maryland. In 2012, he was consecrated to the office of bishop, overseeing the youth and young adult ministries for Kingdom Fellowship Covenant Ministries. In 2013, his father passed the baton and appointed Bishop Dennis, my guest today, to succeed him as a senior pastor of Kingdom Worship Center. As a community organizer, he's infiltrated communities that some consider to have impenetrable barriers. With the help of God and the ministry, my guest has been able to impact the people in an array of communities. He is a member and the former vice president of the Towson Area Ministerial Alliance. He serves on the board of spiritual advisors at Greater Baltimore Medical Center, assuring holistic health is pursued in the Greater Baltimore area for its citizens. While on the board of advisors for Bahari, an outreach ministry for the empowerment of Kenyan women, My guest curtails gender bias in the world. And as a member, as a board member for Araminta Freedom Initiative, he looks to help others heal and to end the bondage of sex trafficking. He is also an honorary member of Alpha Nu Omega Fraternity Incorporated and currently in pursuit of a doctor of ministry with Wesley Theological Seminary in Washington, D.C., an avid reader and writer on that which pertains to Christ and the church. He is also a contributing writer to a member of the editorial staff of Grace and Glory magazine, a much sought after mentor, lecturer, and preacher. He's ministered to people of all ages in venues ranging from after-school programs to international conferences. His humor is how he implements the gospel and how he carries it 
beyond all types of barriers, racial, age, economic, and his anointing lies in understanding the current times and causing change by speaking truth in power and in love. The pattern in his life is to serve God with all his heart, mind, and soul. He's married to his college sweetheart, Tanya, and desires to be an example to other married couples when it relates to commitment, love, and friendship. Together, they enjoy teaching and challenging believers in their growth and delight in their gifts from God, their son, William, and their daughter, Raina. Welcome to the Soul Wealth Radio Show, Bishop Gregory Dennis, a.k.a. Bishop G. How are you doing? I'm doing well, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. So glad to be with you. Happy to have you here. Happy to have your voice on this platform as, like I said earlier, an entrusted voice in my life. Wow. I am just grateful that I get to share you with a part of me, a part of my world, the Soul Wealth Radio Show family. Bishop G, I, I want to ask, you know, is this what you always thought you would be doing? You, yes. you. <laughs> question. What an amazing question. And I always thought I'd be a pastor of a church. Hmm. I, did. um, I didn't tell my wife that initially when we got married. <laughs> I didn't even tell her that I was called to preach because um, I knew she didn't want a, um, her, her mother was a evangelist and her father was an elder in the church. And so she didn't want anything to do with the preacher. So I didn't tell her about my call until a week after our uh, wedding. So just <laughs> notes to all those who are called. They see somebody that's out there. They're like, yo, that's the one I need in my life. Yeah. They, if they don't want the past, just wait a week or so. That's what I did. <laughs> that's a shame. So you came from corporate America, though, you know, after 15 years in corporate America to now being in ministry and the work of ministry. Mm-hmm. Full time as a senior pastor, yeah. what was that transition like for you? You know, going from corporate America, a very structured day, absolutely, to uh, unpredictable days. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a difficult transition for me uh, for a couple of reasons. One, in corporate America, the people in corporate America don't demand that you behave a particular way. Wow. So you don't have to curtail your humor. You don't have to curtail your dress. You don't have to curtail so many things. And I'm talking about when I left, you know, the church is a little more uh, liberal today. And I'm mm-hmm. cautious of using that word today than it was when I first came to the church full time. Um, you know, when I came to the church full time, I was coming to the church pretty much every day with not a necktie on, but at least a suit because you never knew what community leaders you were going to run into. You never knew what business meetings you might end up having. So you had to come in with a, at least a dress shirt and a suit every day. And, um, and when I came into the culture as well at the church, um, everyone who worked for me at the church did not take lunch. They didn't take no breaks. I mean, so it was, it was, uh, it was a culture shift for me to, all right, I'm suited. And everybody feels like the work is so critical that they don't even know how to take care of themselves enough to get up from their desk and eat lunch down the street at the deli. You know, wow. 
And I, I was trying to change it. But here's the, the amazing thing, Dr. Vicky. And so I came in with all of these things from corporate America. I was like, hey, you know, no, get up, y'all take a break, uh, go to lunch, you know, and uh, do this and get off of work on time. Because that was one thing I did in corporate America is, is, you know, there were days where maybe I stayed late. But normally when it was time to get off, I said, hey, I, I'm out to work right here and I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> right. And, and that's <clears throat> and, and working for the church. Your, my days became extremely longer, especially with your congregants not being able to do things during their work hours. And so I would try to push the church culture, our employees at the church to take your lunch, get up from your desk, forge your phones, put it towards the voicemail. It'll be all right for an hour. And before I knew it, the culture was stronger than me. Mm. I found myself eating my lunch at my desk. Wow. Before I knew it. And so, so I'm grateful even for the pandemic, which helped shake up some yeah. of what I knew wasn't healthy in the culture, but the culture was so strong, I didn't know how to resist it. That is powerful. You know, and we're, we do that every day. Yeah. We do that every day when, when we become less aware, I want to say, right? Mm-hmm. In, in an effort and an attempt to, I don't want to use the word infiltrate, but become a part of while impacting, mm-hmm. right? If you are not mindful, if you are not careful, the culture will <laughs> yes. cause you to assimilate into it. Absolutely. Rather than you affecting change and being what I like to call a disruptor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the key to disruption, in your opinion, of culture, of patterns, of habits? What is the key to disrupting that so that you can turn and go another way? And in practical terms, because our audience, you know, is mixed. We have a mixed audience, um, mixed belief systems, mixed faith. So in your professional, vocational opinion, Mm -hmm. what is, what is the key to disruption? I think disruption, uh, I would say the first key is consistency, Mm. right? And in consistency, you've, you cannot let go of what you know, the change that should be happening. You cannot change your mind about it. So you must be consistent, whether it is just, you know, oh, you know, I can go back to the lunch thing. Oh, let's just take um, five minutes or whatever, you know, or, or just do this one time. No, your consistency uh-huh. is critical. The other thing I would say that is critical is education and value. And, I, and, and those may run a little bit hand in hand, but you've got to educate those who influence the culture on what is damaging to those who are impacting and effective in managing what you have. So there must be an education that, hey, these people will be short-lived and they will burn out if we don't do something different. So it must be an education. And then there, then show people the value of the change that you are actually uh, beginning to introduce. So if you're going to be a disruptor, you must be, a, you have to present value to those 
are a part of the culture so that they can see worth in what you are actually doing that is different. If you don't show value and worth, if you can't educate me, if you're not consistent, then I'm going to just stay with what I know. It's already change is already difficult enough by itself. Um, and so you as a disruptor, you must consistency, education and value, I believe, are, are critical. Powerful. I love that. Disruption requires consistency. It requires education, meaning getting an understanding right, of what is required, knowing what the benchmark is, knowing what the goal is. So you can lay out a pathway to get there and then understanding the value of what that change will bring about in your life, I think is really powerful. I I want to get into your heart space for a moment. You know, how, how has your transition impacted who you are as a person? And the transition I'm speaking of, you know, is not just from corporate America to ministry, but from being one of the leaders in church to being the senior leader? Like what, what has that required of you as a person? Can wow. you talk about that journey? You know, I think sometimes, yeah. not sometimes, frequently, people look at ministry leaders, faith leaders, pastors, and, and people that, that they go to or look to for help, for strength, forgetting that we also operate in our humanity. We have to deal with that as well. So I'd just love you to share a bit about how has that journey been for you? You know, as a son, you took over your, your father's church. You succeeded him in leadership. You know, you're a husband, you're a father, you're an uncle, you're a brother, you're a friend to so many people. Mm-hmm. What has that been like for you? It's been that journey into transition to a different um, measure of leadership, the first thing I noticed about me is it slowed me down. Mm. I was definitely, whether I was at Allstate or as executive pastor at the church, I always had the, the bright idea. You know, if there was a situation or circumstance that came up, oh, I know exactly what we need to do about it. Oh, I've read this in a book. Here's, here's the direction we should go. And come on, let's move, let's make it happen. As the person who is the last of on the totem pole, you know, the last person that you come to, the, the senior leader of the church, it slowed me down because I realized that now whatever decision I make doesn't just impact the situation that may be at hand. Mm-hmm. The ripple effects of it. Yeah are something that I understood um, intently. And so in a way I had to become more prudent and to be able to look at things from many perspectives. You know, there are, there are, it's, it's amazing because there are things that, that happen with members in the church that a lot of people disagree with and they're waiting for their senior leader to step up to the plate and say, I totally disagree with this. This is not what should be happening. And they wonder, where is the leader's voice in this? But they, what they miss is that some things need to be done behind closed doors. Right. Some things don't need to be broadcast. Um, that to, to begin to say, 
out loud some things that you agree or disagree with sometimes have a negative impact on the people instead of a positive. So you've got to find a way as a leader to bring life. And I think that's even in, in not just in a faith setting. I believe that's in a corporate setting because, you know, I, I own my own business as well. And so even with the business that I run is my employees there, I, I look for how can I bring life to them and not necessarily just tear them down because something that they have done has, has been wrong. Correction is, is for growth. Yeah. And not for deterioration, you know? And so, so that's, that was one of the things that I noticed about that. The other thing I noticed is that self-reflection as a senior leader, I really, Dr. Vicky had to watch out for my own health of my soul. Mm-hmm. Because I critique myself so difficult. And it had gotten to the point where really, and you got to be careful because I believe the negative things about me and can recite those a lot faster and easier than anything positive. Wow. Right. So that's why, even, and you and I had talked about this once before, that's why even hearing a bio makes you uncomfortable because a bio normally highlights like all of the great things you've done. But a lot of times when, when you are as a senior leader or, or for me as a senior leader, I have reflected so easily on those things that are negative and that need to be changed or, or my hangups or my habits or whatever those are, uh, my vices and, and being, getting, getting those things as being primary in my mind about me makes it uncomfortable anytime you hear anything positive about yourself. You're like, no, that's not me. And so one of the things I had to learn to do as a senior leader is, um, and this is a recent thing to learn. This is not, you know, I've got it down pat. I'm still Uh growing in it. Is how do I sit in a place and sit and rest in a place knowing that you're not as bad as you think? And that you have brought some good. And no, you're not perfect. You haven't done everything right. um, But you've helped and you've healed, you know? And so that's one of the things I'm learning, learning to do. Yeah, I think it's so critical to be able to balance, particularly as a senior leader, your humanity Mm -hmm. with the responsibility of leadership because it is a responsibility and having that measure of accountability in place. And, you know, the Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. And, you know, I heard you say recently, we have to be careful that we don't become our own source, (laughs) you know, that we, that we don't tune in only to what we have learned, heard, done in the past but that we are mindful to always be open, right? Mm-hmm. To, to greater counsel. Who, who inspires you, Bishop G? Where do you get your inspiration from? I know it's God, your <laughs> pastor, but who inspires you? Where do you glean your inspiration to get up every day and be who you are? Yeah. My most recent inspirations uh, are really William and Raina. Mm. Um, my kids, man, they, they help me. 
they help me even do things that I don't feel like doing. And, and I'm talking about even from a leadership perspective. Yeah. And so, you know, so, so, so I would say that my children are definitely part of my inspiration. I would say from a intellectual perspective, Dr. Beverly Mitchell, who's a, a professor of um, systematics at Wesley Theological Seminary she, uh-huh. in, in, um, in church history. And she is a, she is amazing, amazing thinker. And I just, I love being around, you know, Dr. Vicki, I love being around people who think. Think, yeah, thinkers. <laughs> and, um, and I find, I, so I find that I'm able to get inspiration from different people at different times. Uh-huh. And, and you, I, I don't know how this will sit with you. Like, you're a thinker for me. You know, I, I know you and I have been on platforms before and um, together. And I'm thinking about like when we would do the retreat in February. Right. And, and I would always just sit back and wait for your presentation because here comes some thought. Here comes some that's out of, I don't, I, I want to say that goes beyond the surface. That's mm-hmm. what I want to say. And um, so, so, you know, so I can sit down and be like, oh, I get to hear Vicky today. <laughs> and be like, oh, I get to hear Loretta Halston today. Yes, definitely. Uh, to, you know, so so people who actually show that, you know, hey, there's there's a different way that we can look at this are normally people who inspire me to continue because I'm at my core, I'm a pensive guy. Yeah, understood. So William and Raina you know, inspire you, your professor, other thinkers. I, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. What are you grateful for? I really am. If I was in church, I'd say I'm grateful for my life, health, and my strength. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm really grateful for those who are authentically on my side. Uh-huh. You know, there is nothing like trying to fight a battle alone or trying to do things. And like one of, one of the things that hurts me, cuts me the deepest is whenever I feel misunderstood and everybody doesn't always give you an opportunity to give them understanding. Right. And um, so to have somebody like my wife, Tanya, Jean, McClure Dennis. Um, her whole name. Her whole name. Uh-huh. Um, as on my side, I'm definitely grateful for her, her love, her support, her, um, her prayers, her challenges. You know, I run stuff by her, you know, I, and it was so, and it was amazing the other day. I even told her while I was preaching, I was like, oh, God just gave me something else to say. I was like, but I don't know where this scripture is. And it's the scripture that says this. She's like, I got it. Go ahead out, do your thing and I'll bring it to you, you know? So all of that, that's those, I mean, yes. So, so, so I'm grateful for, for that. I'm grateful for love in my life. What a love blessing. And love you. Love you do have, you know, you have an amazing wife, amazing children, amazing parents, an amazing ministry. You are an amazing person. And again, I'm just so grateful that you are one of the entrusted voices in my life. 
you know, you and your dad. And I say it that way because he he was my 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 pastor first. And yeah. then when you succeeded him in leadership then you became my pastor, for which I'm grateful to have you both in my life and to be able to be poured into by you on a weekly basis and that you do care for my soul. And it, it is a tremendous blessing. I tell you, I feel safe wow. with you and Pastor Tanya and Kingdom Worship Center. I'm so grateful to be a branch on that tree. Yes. And, you know, I'm a part of your legacy. You know, that that for me is how I get to honor you. Like I, I think of when I do my work in the world, mm-hmm. how does this reflect honor back to those whom care for me, yeah. right? So thank you for your voice, your wisdom, your humor. Your ability to think critically and outside of the box, your flexibility, your love, you and Pastor Tanya. How can those who are listening connect with you, you know, connect with the church? I know the answer, but I want you to invite those who are listening who may want to learn more about you. How can they connect with Bishop Gregory Dennis? I invite all of you who are listening to feel free to connect with me. Um, I am on um, the major s- social media platforms, you know, Facebook, the Twitter, and the Instagram. On Facebook, I'm Gregory Dennis. And on uh, Instagram and Twitter, I am G-A Dennis number one. Mm-hmm. Not spelled out, just the actual digit one. And so G-A Dennis one on those platforms. And you can always, um, you can always as well go to our website at kingdomworshipcenter.org and um, send an email to the info there. And if you have anything or want to connect with us or have any questions, I'd, feel, I'd be just pleased, just it'd be my <laughs> pleasure to respond to anything. Thank you, Bishop G. My pleasure. Bishop G and Pastor T, I'll tell you. You know, I've been I've been at um, Kingdom Worship Center now almost 25 years. Can you believe that? Honey, I remember the Sunday you came. (laughs) Okay, we're about to end. Thank you all for listening to the Soul Wealth Radio Show here on 96.3 HD4 and DCRadio.gov. I invite you to visit my website as well, VickiJohnson.com. I am on most social media platforms at all things Vicky and Vicky is V-I-K-K-I. Listen, soul wealth is your birthright. It is your inheritance. So go out into the world, live with passion, live with purpose, be a disruptor as Bishop Gregory Dennis eloquently shared with us. Live with intention, live full so you can die empty. Until next time. Peace. And he can tell y'all about my first Sunday at Kingdom Worship Center another time. Peace, everybody. You've been listening to Soul Wealth, wealthy conversations that nurture the soul with Dr. Vicki Johnson. Soul Wealth is not just a brand. It's a lifestyle of vision, compassion, authenticity, abundance, and legacy created one conversation, one choice at a time. For more information, visit VickiJohnson.com or click on Soul Wealth at DCRadio.gov.